and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. And we just, it just seems like we keep doing all of these back to back in the month of March. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Um, as, of course, as as you know, Matt Dudek, who you can find at uh, Horizon Matt, is out and about on tour for the month of March. But joining me right now is. Um, Man, who sh- honestly, he should need no introduction at this point in time. Um, he's the program director at uh, ESPN Dayton, fourteen ten WING AM. He does the uh, drive time from three to six. Uh, Kenner and Schlemmer, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, more importantly, most importantly, he is the host of the Reaching the Horizon podcast that you can find on the Horizon League's. Uh, not only on the Horizon League's website, but also on SoundCloud and wherever uh, wherever podcasts are available, just like us. So I'm I'm very excited to have uh, Justin Kinner on today. Hey man, thanks for having me. Look, we've been trying to like line this up on both of our schedules since uh, I feel like before the season started. So yes, this worked out pretty good, especially <laughs> today with all the uh, the awards coming out. And there's a lot to dissect there. A lot of weird stuff happened with these so i'm curious and i'm glad you brought that up because that actually is something that that i and i know we've i know that's that's kind of been bantied about you know around uh on social media today um so if you are listening to this of course as you know the the horizon the 20 the horizon league men's basketball awards came out um I, i guess it should be of no surprise that loud and love uh won player of the year I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, he, he we Jimmy and I picked him. Uh, John Parker picked him. A lot of people already picked him, but now it's official, officially official, <laughs> if you will. So yeah, so so J- Loud and Love was uh, the the Player of the Year. Um, for Coach of the Year, it actually split between Scott Nagy, the uh, Scott Nagy of Wright State, and Dennis Gates, the I, I want to call him the Miracle Worker at Cleveland State. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, especially with everything in the offseason coming in. I'm actually a big uh, big fan of his. I know people want to look at the record and question how does a coach with, you know, that far under 500 win it. But I know we're going to dive into that more, but uh, Absolutely. there's more underlying stuff to that. It's not as simple yeah. as wins and losses in this. It's more along the the, the job he did was beyond yeah. just the wins and losses standpoint. I mean, they're third from – I mean, I don't know how many coaches out there have ever won a conference coach of the year award when their team is third to last, uh, but that just shows you that there's more that more to it than just the wins and losses at this point. And definitely in this particular case, and like you said, we're, we're definitely going to dive into that a little bit more. Um, and and I'm actually glad you brought that up a little bit because uh, – and I actually want to get into the all-conference teams because I know this year was a little different – was a little different this year. Um, because unlike previous years, by and large, there was the introduction of a third team, All Horizon League, um, and one of the, and that's actually a question. And I don't know how privy you are to kind of the, in terms of the eligibility of players, um, in terms of how the how how they're voted on or anything. But the one the one name that kind of stuck out to a lot of us was. Uh, that uh, Northern Kentucky's Dantes Walton was named to the third team. Um, and Dantes Walton, a- as we know, missed a considerable amount of time in the conference schedule uh, due to injury. Yeah, and by the way, and I think a lot of that too is just how dominant he was before going yeah. down. I've watched Dantes Walton play, play at LCC High School. I've been watching him play since his high school days. Uh, he was on some really good high school teams, and he came over here to NKU. I love guys like him that you watch them throughout their career and they're just good, solid role players. And that's what he was during the Drew McDonald sure. era. Uh, but we didn't really know what to expect. We know there's a lot of points that NK, a lot of points and rebounds and assists that the NKU was going to have to, to replace. And then here's Dante's Walton, who's just lighting it up. I mean, every time I look up, he's having a, you know, a mid 20 point game, 30 point game. I'm like, man, where the hell did this come from? Yeah. Uh, and then that injury happens. The problem is, is that, you know, that all conference selection, he, the majority of the games that he missed was all conference games. So yeah, I, I, I don't like a third team in the horizon. You only have 10 teams. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I like it cause more players get honored, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's overkill. I, I'm saying that without going and looking at other conferences, uh, sure. who has 13 and how many teams are, you know, in parallel with that. I'd have sure. to look at it. More players get honored. That's great. 
Um, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm glad that he got honored in some way because he was in line for a very magical season with the way things were going. It's unfortunate about that injury, though. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I don't. we don't feel unique anymore because we at the Horizon Roundtable had our own third team, but now that the Horizon League itself has an official third team, now I don't feel special anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, that, I think that was kind of the, as I understand it, I think that the fact that, that Walton did in fact play more than half of the season in total is kind of the kind of the the reasoning behind um, how he was eligible as opposed to somebody like a Rashad Williams over at Oakland who only played 13 games in the conference schedule. Um, Rashad Williams, of course, who also had one when he finally became eligible, had an amazing season with Oakland. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking around. You know, you see, I'm looking at it, Amari Davis from Green Bay in that third team yeah. selection. Which, by the way, I'm another kid I watched in high school that uh, I was really, you know, I have the right state affiliation here in Dayton, and mm-hmm. I was really, really upset that they did not offer him. Um, it gets real frustrating for me, and you can't question Coach Nagy when he's about to potentially embark on uh, three straight years of postseason. Yeah. Potentially, he will, whether it's the NIT or NCAA tournament. So mm-hmm. you can't question Coach Nagy and his recruiting. Um, you know, tactics. I just don't like when we see guys like Tory Patton come out of this area from Trotwood, Amari Davis coming from yeah. Trotwood, Darius Quisenberry. Those kids light right state up every time. And mm-hmm. you can say, oh, well, they chose to go somewhere else. I know the stories. I know that they were not heavily recruited by right sure. state. And I know that there is a little uh, resentment towards that. I'm not saying that they're not happy where mm-hmm. they're at. They're thriving where they're at. But I do know that if given the right offer, they would all three be playing in Dayton for Wright State, which is scary considering the talent Wright State has. Uh, but, man, Amari Davis, I can't tell you how fun it's been watching him. And he, sure. he's kind of an old-school player. He's not trying to dominate and kill you by the three. So it was cool seeing him get that as well. Well, yeah, the funny thing about Amari Davis, of course, and by the way, he was, and, and it should have come as no surprise that he was freshman. He was from freshman of the year. He dominated the freshman of the week standings. Yeah, it seemed like every week, so it wasn't really that that surprising. He was named Freshman of the Year, but yeah, the, the funny part about Amari Davis, and I know that uh, I know John Parker has has written about him, is the fact that he doesn't take he basically doesn't take any threes like at all, yeah, which is like, amazing. That, and he's a guard, and yeah, he's a good shooter. Um, and now that I think about it, I didn't really watch him take a lot of threes in high school either. He was an isolation player, mm-hmm. uh, but he has that, like, what was almost considered extinct mid-range jumper, too. Yeah. He's just a special player, and he's not a he's not a me guy. Uh, I know his high school coach here in town, and he says nothing but great things about him. But, you know, when the, mm-hmm. uh, Green Bay came to play at Wright State earlier in the year, I mean, they took up an entire section of Trotwood kids that were coming to support him. He has a great backing here locally. I'm happy for him. I just like he's wearing the wrong color green. Damn it. That's <laughs> well, that's inter- it's interesting you mentioned that because and you mentioned Amari Davis and da- uh, Darius Quisenberry, who was a first team uh, All Horizon League this year, which uh, obviously again doesn't surprise me at all. We hadn't picked as a first teamer as well, um, and Tory Patton as well. But also too, um, and it's weird because I-, I know from you know obviously being a Cleveland State fan. You know, the, from the uh, getting folks from the Dayton area, we're obviously very happy to have them. Um, looking at you, Norris Cole and Aaron Pogue. Oh my goodness! Yes, that's the other one, Norris Cole. Obviously, but that that name right there, that uh, yeah, that's always a painful one too. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, uh, well, let's be uh, well. That one, uh, it, it, well, Norris Cole is kind of a unique situation because it, it's not anybody's fault that basically nobody offered him. A scholarship. I, mean, I think. I think as the story go, as the story goes, and I should know this by heart by now, that Norris Cole was almost gonna go to a Division two school to play football, and then Gary Waters offered him a Division one scholarship, and the rest, as they say, is history. So he not only did he probably flew under everybody's radar just because of that, and then you know, as 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 we've obviously seen. Kind of his career trajectory since that point in time, and um, and I get, I guess that you know, it's not your fault. <laughs> oh man! And how about Norris Cole too? I mean, Norris Cole, you know, yeah. spoken with him a few times in an interview mm-hmm. uh, type capacity. But man, like to have the career he did, yeah, uh, to go on to Cleveland State and then to go on to the NBA and achieve, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the most fortunate situations 
Yeah, go to the Miami Heat to play with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. I mean, that's a storybook uh, ending to a basketball career. And his career ain't done, but I'm just saying, like, oh, yeah. it's a hell of a way to, to be introduced to the league. I promise you that much. Well, what's funny? It, well, it's fu- the whole the whole thing. The, the whole thing with Norris Cole is absolutely amazing. Um, but being in Cleveland it, during the time that Norris Cole was with the Heat was always kind of a mixed. It was kind of mixed for all of us. Um, yes, LeBron at that point. Exactly. So, yeah. so we were we. So when so we were in when Norris Cole was drafted in 2011. That was, and I remember this vividly because I remember when he got he got drafted. He got he originally got drafted to the to the Chicago Bulls, and of course I cheered. I'm like, yay! And then I found out I got, and then I've got. And then he found out I got he got traded to the Heat, and of course, again, this is the post LeBron, this is post decision Heat. So I'm like, no. Yeah, I don't <laughs> so blame for, you, man. Like that so was for a like four time. years. It was kind of a mixed blessing. It was kind of a mixed thing for you know. On one hand, I'm absolutely super happy that uh, super happy that Norris Cole is in the league, and we're seeing him. He's very visible. At the, on the other hand, he's playing with the Heat, so it's like <laughs> it, it's. Yeah, it, it's it's it it was a it was a very conflicted time for us as Cleveland State fans. <laughs> but well, anyway, you know, Cle- real quick though, the Cleveland State thing. You know, when yeah. I first started working for Wright, it's not that I worked for Wright State, but when I first started sure. covering Wright State a few years mm-hmm. ago, one of my favorite teams was the uh, Bryn Forbes led Cleveland State team. It wasn't yes. long, but uh, you know, when you talk about the transfer epidemic in college basketball, Cleveland State's always that first team that comes to mind. You look at that. I mean, you had Bryn Forbes, Anton Grady, Trey Lewis. Bryn Forbes mm-hmm. goes on to Michigan State. Anton yeah. Grady to Wichita. Trey Lewis to Louisville. Uh, you know, Bryn Forbes playing in the NBA for the Spurs. I mean, getting sure, heavy sure. minutes there. Like that team, if that whole group stays together, coached by Gary Waters, and I, I'm probably missing what players were remaining from that skeleton there. But you're probably talking about a possibly a potential first time top twenty five Horizon League school since Butler. And, uh, Maybe that's see, over the top, but I really felt like that team had what it took. You had shooters, you had scorers, you had size, you had guards, you had everything you needed. I really hate that that team got broken up. Uh, you know, and, uh, but uh, from my perspective, yeah, I see that. But also, I also saw the fact that when all three of them were on the team, the best they could do was the CIT. So I was a, so you, you know, you, that they didn't gel well together. I mean, I didn't it didn't, I mean, because like that, it just didn't seem like it, 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 that 13, 14 team when all three of them were Trey Lewis, Anton Grady and, uh, and Brim forms were all together. They also had, um, what, Marlon Mason was on, it was a, one of the forwards. Charlie Lee was running the point. Um, it, it just seemed to me that, it seemed to me that the, as as talented as all of them all of them were, that they were back to back. CIT was the best that they could do. Was a little underwhelming to me. It always was. And then, and then you know, and then the bottom fell out, and that was kind of the end of the ball game, really. Um, and, and also, too, I should also point out that fourteen fifteen team they had not only uh, they not only had. Um, Charlie Lee, but they also had Kaza Keen, um, the tra- uh, the Illinois State transfer, come in as a point guard, and he actually and and a lot of and I think I brought this up on the show a couple of times that um, in addition to Grady and Lewis grad transferring, Kaza Keen, who easily would have been the starting point guard for Cleveland State the next year. Ended up uh, going home to Canada, and by the way, if and by the way, Kaza Keen right now. He's actually doing. He's actually a part of their national team right now, because he spent the last. Yeah, he spent the last two years at uh, Carl. His last two years at uh, Carleton University in Ontario, which is like, I, I keep calling him like the Duke of Canadian college basketball, because that's how good they are. <laughs> so a lot of those guys going to have good pro careers. Yeah, we just you know we always assume if it's not NBA, it don't matter. Yeah. Horizon League spits out a ton of very it good really does. pro ba- ball players, man. That is true. That is true, and I suspect that. And, and it's funny because um, right now I believe Mark Hughes from Wright State yes, and man. DeMonte Joe Flanagan Thompson. are all-stars in the British Basketball League this year. Oh, yeah, as far as that, my bad. I threw out another Wright State name. But, no, yeah, Mark Hughes had a fantastic year, man. And I think it's his ability to – that he embraced defense. I mean, so many times yeah. you see these pro, these pro ball players that leave the Horizon League. It's the big scores. I think it's his ability to. He's a very smart offensive player. He's very strategic. 
but he's a lockdown defender. And I think the combination of both of those skill sets really has helped Mark kind of had develop into a really good pro ball player. Something that's hard to find out of a horizon league is guys that are locked into defense and he wants to do both. Well, speaking of defense, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the defense part because um, as I'm looking at the all defensive team, I'm actually really disappointed. No Cleveland state players on there. Uh, well, you know, you got to, I don't know. What was their style like? I mean, I've saw them play twice. I watched some games on, you know, ESPN plus three. I mean, clearly defense wasn't a part of yeah. their uh, repertoire, I'm assuming. Uh, no, that's the defense is, for Cleveland State defense this year was pretty much the only reason they were in some of those games, especially so they got none on there. OK, they got well, none on learning something. There you go. I'm a, I'm a little. Yeah, because it was Chris Brandon from Detroit Mercy, Elijah Goss from IUPUI, Jalen Tate, who also is the defensive player of the year, Marcus Adi from UIC and Garrett Covington from Youngstown State. So um, that that's the all defensive team. No, no Cleveland State player, even though Cleveland State was kind of – that's kind of Dennis Gates' signature, basically. And it's funny because the year before when Dennis Felton was the head coach, I was wondering when they were going to learn how to play defense. Apparently the answer was this year, except it wasn't going to be – it wasn't going to be with him. It was going to be Dennis Gates. Yeah, you know, they lost some good players during that – Dennis. Or, I mean, you know, coming in with, with Gates taking over. Yeah. Good for that. I mean, I, I understand why he got the co-coach of the year. I mm-hmm. just – I mean, it's not the personal. I just don't see how a, a coach or a team third from last can get a coach of the year. But at least they did it on a co-basis. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, Coach Nagy getting it for the third straight year. I like Dennis Gates, too. I thought when Wright State played at Cleveland State a few weeks ago, um, the, I thought that was a beyond a class act to be able to, after the game, award Coach Nagy the yeah. game ball. Uh, that coaches don't do that. They just don't. Not in today's day and age. It's just about, you know, get off the floor. Everyone go their separate ways. It was senior day for Cleveland State. They could have focused on their own guys. And uh, for them to do that, I'll always uh, remember that about Coach Gates because that was a class act and good for him. Yeah. For the one thing I've learned about Dennis Gates over the over the year, the guy is, you know, Dennis Gates is a cool customer. And I'm and it's funny because I'm used to I'm used to Gary Waters losing it on the losing it on the sideline on, on you know, losing it, you know, right on the baseline there. And I'm like. Dennis Gates is not that guy. <laughs> I know one. There was one game that he got t- he got a technical, and I was like, "How did that happen?" Because <laughs> all he does is basically he doesn't like yell. He's it's more of like the death glare. Because I've seen that before, and it's like, "Wow!" And it, but and I'm, I, I guess it's it takes a little getting used to again, given how many animated individuals we have within the Horizon League. <laughs> no kidding. No, <laughs> I, I mean. And I think that's one reason, too, you know, Gary Waters gone. And when you look at, you know, Detroit, who's just now getting underway with, their, you know, their coach, getting a couple years on NKU's had some turnover. The coaches that were here five years ago are all gone. Like, yeah. there's no longstanding head coach in the Horizon League anymore. Um, and that, to me, just shows when people talk about how bad the conference is, I'm like, yeah, but if you strip every coach from any conference, it's good. there's going to be a four- to five-year gap before it really turns around i'm not saying that the horizon league is going to embark on being a two-bid league anytime soon but we're not going to be talking about a conference that is embarrassingly bad when you talk about the not rpi anymore but the net and some of the others um but yeah i mean slocum no longer with youngstown state gary waters no longer i mean cleveland state's two coaches since him yeah. um, billy donlin gone from Wright state who went to three of uh, four horizon league title games but Nagy come in and elevated the program and you know valpo's gone you have nku who switched coaches with darren horn now I mean, you can go on and on. The bottom line yeah. is in Milwaukee for a stretch with Amanda Braun just chasing guys off left and right. I mean, <laughs> you, uh, you know, you have a you know coach, which is well documented territory, especially when you have Jimmy on. <laughs> yep, and you have a, a lot of coaching turnover there. And I, you know, I don't have any. I've never met Amanda Braun, so that was a little maybe. I don't know. I didn't mean it like that. You've been but listening anyway. to this podcast too long, especially in the first years when Jimmy was here. <laughs> Yeah, he's a you know. he's a bad inf- no, but yeah, um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's funny because you know we have done you know off and on the Horizon Roundtable, we've done this podcast since the end of 2015, um, and you're absolutely right. Since that point in time, nearly every single one of those coaches is gone. Uh, is gone. I mean, I think when we started, we were in the first. I think we were in the first year of Link Darner. Link was, there we go. Yeah, he was in the. It, it was right after Brian Wardle left, and Link Darner. It was the first year. Link Darner, Gary Waters was still. Uh, Gary Waters and Jerry Slocum were still there. I think we were in the the waning years of Ray McCallum. Yes. At, uh-huh. 
I think, yeah, I think the only single person who's been there the whole time is Greg Campy. That's oh, it. Well, yeah, but at that point, I mean, they came into the league too, but no, that's a great point. Greg Campy ain't going anywhere. I love him to death, but my God, how have they not made an NCAA tournament? I mean, Ex- you want to talk about, and, and I love Greg Campy, and I'm hoping that uh, I don't get in trouble for this, but I've always said that he has underachieved greatly with the talent that he has had regularly at that school. Uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's not unfortunate because I enjoy watching Wright State have success, but that's always the team until lately. Like something about Coach Nagy, Coach Teams, when it goes back to their days in the summit, he's figured Oakland out. He knows how to shut them down. Um, this year's a little bit of a different story. A lot of, un- you know, we talked about a lot of the transfer stuff okay. in the offseason. Uh, but yeah, these these campy teams, they have they, every year they have rosters that have more talent than anyone else. And every year they can't seem to get the job done. But that's the difference between having the most talented roster and the best team. Oakland yeah. rarely had the best team, despite having pretty much the majority of the talent, and that's been unfortunate. Then that's interesting too, because when you and it's and that was kind of the and it was the case for most of the season, and then all the and I can't say even all of a sudden because when Russia, uh, it, it seemed like the their dynamic changed significantly when Rashad Williams came on board. It just seemed like the some some magical switch got flipped, and all of a sudden Oakland and I don't Cleveland State's playing going to Oakland um, on Tuesday night. I really don't want to play them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just, just knowing what knowing what Rashad Williams is capable of. Mm-hmm. No kidding. So, and he just has that fire. I love Greg Campy. My first memory of Greg Campy back when Valpo was still in the league, Paul Warren. Uh, the beat writer for Valpo, they really did a great job covering the league. I, I miss Paul. He was great. He was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, but he, um, my first memory of, of uh, when Oakland came into the league, uh, Campy called Paul Oren up to the stage and, and said, do me a favor, pull on this. And he had him pull on his hair. And everyone's looking around like, what in the hell is going on right now? I guess Paul Oren had made a joke or a comment about Gre- calling, said that Greg Campy had a toupee. That, <laughs> irrit- that irritated Campy. And he wanted to prove to all the media out there that that was his real hair. And that's how the press conference started. So I was like, holy <laughs> moly, man. That, that was my first – that was my introduction uh, to Greg Campy. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought – I'm glad you brought up Paul. Paul Owner was one of – is great. He was one of our – he was one of our early – he was actually one of our early podcast guests um, back in the uh, – you know, a few years back um, when Valpo was still uh, – Valpo was still in the conference, and it's funny because I, I actually live in Valpo now and haven't run into him at all. So I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm but, yeah, I live. I'm like I, I'm like half thinking that at some point in time I'm going to run. I'm just going to randomly run into a member of the Drew family at the grocery store or something. Well, I tell you what, that uh, that Valpo job might be opening up again at some point. You might see a reunion. Uh, yeah, that's what I. Yeah, I I still follow a number of Valpo. Uh, people on Twitter, and yeah, they're, they would be more than happy to have Rice Drew well, back. Well, Valpo's a prime example of why, unless you get a bid, for, if you get an in- invite from the American Conference, I have no problem with you leaving. Uh, I don't know all the uh, logistics of it, but I'm not convinced that the Missouri Valley or any other conference is going to give you uh, enough of a bigger platform, money-wise or revenue-wise or from an attention or from, you know, just a, a stage platform. I just don't think it's worth it. Now, maybe, you know, Valpo would still be in the middle of the pact in the horizon league and not as good as they were with Alec Peters there. But I just, I, I don't get all the hype with wanting to leave the horizon league, unless you're going to get a big time offer like Butler when they left. That was a hell of a, that was, a, that made sense. That was good for them. It wasn't just some parallel move. Uh, I, I didn't like the Valpo move. I, I don't, I didn't understand their urgency to get out because although the conference may be better than the horizon league, I still think it's easier to make the NCAA tournament to win the horizon league than it is to go elsewhere for the time being. Yeah. So um, I wanted to say, uh, speaking of Paul Orr, and you mentioned him being on the podcast, on your podcast, um, uh-huh. I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the reaching the horizon podcast. Cause that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, that, that propped up on my, I think, uh, kind of uh, tell me a little bit, kind of how that came, how, how that came together, um, and, and you know, kind of what, what went into what went into kind of the uh, what kind of went into putting that all uh, putting that all together. Uh, well, it started. I mean, the idea had always floated. Well, for one, I had wanted to do. I liked what Paul was doing with his podcast with, with Valpo that started mm-hmm. right before they left the horizon. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to do that for Wright state. Uh, but then, you know, I, I really liked what you guys were doing with yours and it's a, you know, it's a horizon league one and all that. And 
Um, you know, I just thought Wright State needed a good one. So last year, when uh, Wright State made it to the Horizon League title game against Northern again, we were doing our afternoon show. We went to Detroit from uh, Little Caesars Arena, and we did our show from up on the concourse. And, okay. you know, uh, Commissioner Lacrone comes up, and we just got to talking back and forth and just talking Wright State and talking about the league. And I said, man, that would have been a pretty cool podcast. He goes, you should do a podcast. I said, I go, I'd love to do a Horizon League podcast, to be honest with you. I've always wanted to do a right state one, but, you know, I, I really like the conference because, you know, we were just talking about all the teams in the conference as a whole. I don't know why my alarm is going off right now. It's really <laughs> weird. What time is it? Why would my alarm be going off? Sorry, my eight seven thirty. Oh, crap. That's why my alarm didn't go off this morning because it's off for 7.30 p.m. Anyways, my ADD. Anyways, uh. You know, oh, so anyway, we just got to talking about different things in the Horizon League. And he said, man, you know a lot about these teams. You're not just about Wright State. You really like that. So we were going to start a podcast that was called uh, Motor City Madness, just a Motor City Madness podcast. And this was before it was announced, you know, at the time when we really started having discussions. This is kind of how I knew that we were on our way out of Detroit. Maybe it was for one, the 10 fans that only showed up for the damn thing. (laughs) Um, that was the first sign. The second sign was when I wanted to call it Motor City Madness, they said, let's hold off on that and I'll explain why <laughs> later. Well, we all figured, um, you know, you just can't take a conference that doesn't draw well and then take yeah. all of the non-drawing conference teams and put them in one place in an NBA arena and say, fill it up, man. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about this year's one in a moment, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, so that it's funny, and it's funny you mention that. And I know that I, I know we've talked about. Obviously, we've talked about Motor City Madness uh, almost exhaustively over the last, you know, before before. The, and I know it, the the way it was set up to me at least seemed like kind of a dress rehearsal to get like maybe a a Big Ten tournament in there or Frozen Four in there. That that that's kind of what I thought what it was kind of setting up for ultimately. But you know. I don't know. Well, I also thought, too, I mean, look, the right, the Horizon League's hosting their own. I still think a part of me was like, okay, they're going to work with Olympia Entertainment. They're going to take notes and watch how they put their own tournament on. I mean, look, the Horizon League hosts a, a whole round of the NCAA tournament when they do it over in Indianapolis every year. I think they were just trying to – I think the plan all along was to do this. I really do. I don't think the plan was even for the Horizon League to re-up with uh, Motor yeah. City Madness. I think the goal all along was for them to host their own. I'm not a big fan of it being an. In- oh, I like it in Indianapolis. I'm not a big fan of, of the decision to put it on a home floor of one of the teams, but the arena is pretty unique. I think when yeah. they put the floor down, the lighting in there is going to look really cool. I think the product on TV is going to look a lot better. It's a smaller venue, so when you do get three or four thousand fans that show up, like the last couple of years, it's going to look like a lot. It's going to look a lot better. The product on TV is going to be better. It's going to be louder. Uh, I think it's more centrally located. I like sure. it there. Um, but to real quick, we'll get back to that, the, the podcast. So we got to talking about that with, with Commissioner Lacrone, uh, and we really got you know going in the summer um, with Cam Fuller and Dan and those guys, and they're awesome to work with. We just started pitching ideas, um, of, you know, about this basketball podcast. It would kind of center, you know, leading all the way up right into uh, Motor, or not Motor City Madness, but now the Reach the Horizon, which is the little hashtag that they use for the yeah. um, conference tournament. So that's really how it started. And I just thought there were so many unique and cool stories in the Horizon League that, you know, I don't really, I don't mind doing coaching interviews and we still do those. Um, but I love talking to the players. I love like trying to find cool storylines in the conference. One of those, one of my favorite ones was the Ray Clay interview. Uh, Ray Clay is the PA announcer for the UIC Flames, which big whoop, right? Who cares about hearing from the PA announcer for the UIC Flames? But Ray Clay was the PA announcer for the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. Uh-huh. He was a, yeah. He was a part of the, you know, the those that Dream Bulls team, man. Like he was, he became a rock star, you know, from North Carolina. Like that whole thing was him. Um, be, the intros became a part of the show. P- people, I mean, there's not many times where now you say, "Oh, we got to get there before tip off." With the Bulls in the '90s, it was we got to get there before the intro because that was a part of the show. If you missed that, you felt like you missed a good chunk of the game. Uh, and for him to be doing that, I mean, he was on Jay Leno. He did all these badass things, and he's still the UIC Flames guy. He's part of their Athletics Hall of Fame. I like telling those stories. Those stories are my favorite because not many people know that about the league. Sure, sure, yeah. And it's interesting because I, I know that there's uh, – looking through some of the uh, – looking, uh, you know, listening to some of the episodes, obviously, um, uh, there's actually – I'm sure you've noticed there's been some con- – uh, a couple, uh, a little bit of convergence sometimes between yours and ours because we've had Jordan Burdenfield on our uh, on the podcast as well as Jordan's Neil Rule. I know. Yeah. Um, 
Why you did gotta... they give him the ESPN package? And then, and by the way, good for the Horizon League getting Dan Dockich on board. Uh, Dan Dockich is awesome. I love him. He's going to be calling the championship game. Oh, uh, okay. You know, a few years ago, they had Mike Tirico and uh, Mike Tirico and Dan Dockich. I'll never forget that walking on the floor. I'm like, what the hell? That's Mike Tirico. What the hell's Mike Tirico doing? Mike Tirico and Dan Dockich, you know, that was Mike Tirico's last year with ESPN. Tirico. Yeah, that's true. Like, the last broadcast that Mike Tirico ever did was Wright State, and I think that was – God, who they lose to that year? Shit. Oh, uh, good question. Uh, that was, was the – Billy Donlin's – Green Bay. It would have been Green Bay. It was Green Bay, that yeah. Was, yep. That so, was Link Darner's first year. Yeah, that's right. That's That uh, was Link Darner's first year because they yeah. – yeah. Because that, so, that was the year that, that Link Darner won, and we thought for sure that Wright State was going to go to a postseason tournament. They didn't, and then – Billy Don moves on. There was so much drama going on here. I mean, you want to talk about the Milwaukee situation. Uh, I know, for, look, me and Bob Grant, the athletic director for Wright State, we butted heads, and we butted yeah. heads greatly because I loved Billy Donlin, and um, I, I was a big fan of Billy. I mean, I thought a guy that got a team to a conference title game three of the last four years, how uh, Bob Grant can come out and say that he wasn't getting the job done. I mean, yes, you need to win those title games. But I just thought that was ludicrous. I thought that was a very high expectation to put on a mid-major Horizon League program that it's tournament or bust all of a sudden. Um, but there was a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Uh, I went to Bob Grant um, a while back and admitted how wrong I was because, you know, I'm a mouthy show host that thinks I know it all and I don't. Uh, but I was way wrong. Look, Bob Grant, the job that he has done at Wright State, yeah. it goes without saying – he has put together – he's brought a volleyball coach in that took – he not only did uh, the volleyball team make the NCAA tournament, they were not large. That's the – I mean, that's insane. Your very first time you ever make the tournament, it's not because you won your conference tournament. You've gotten that large bid. The softball team always has a ton of success. Baseball is not just a good baseball program. They're one of the best in the, in the whole – they're the best team in the state of Ohio. All right, you have Ohio State coming to play at Wright State this year uh -huh. because of the respect that the, the Sogard and, and, you know, started with Cooper, and then it goes into all those others, man. Uh, th that's awesome. It's in the, the women's basketball. You lose Bradbury, who made them relevant for the first time ever. And Tr Katrina Merriweather comes in and brings her own players in. And, you know, they win the most games in regular season history and most games in, uh, you know, in, in program history in regular season. They go to the NCAA tournament. Coach or Bob Grant has just put, you know, NCAA tournament coach after NCAA tournament coach together. I can't criticize anything he's done so i do want to give him a shout out because it's easy to point out that we butted heads but uh, i'm at least admitting i was wrong and questioning his decision making you can't question his decision making no. when every coach that he hires takes one of his athletics programs to a tournament man yeah. so, and, so and i know that i i know that we we had some conversations obviously when 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 that came out jimmy and i had that conversation i think jimmy got to the point where he ended up getting blocked by bob cran on twitter which is like I, I kind of felt like left out because I didn't get blocked, but I'm glad I didn't now. No, Bob's good. Um, uh, Bob is just what I love about him is if you watch his interaction with the players, the players love him like you would not believe. Like he yeah. is one of the boys, he is one of the girls, man. Like he is. Um, that's hard to do. And uh, Joy Lynn and, and the staff that he has put together, man, like they're almost a team themselves. Like they're a whole. Like they have each other's backs. They are very organized. They are very good. Uh, being all on the same page. I just, I really respect the job they did because I was, uh, you know, it was easy for me to come out and blast them. And I looked rightfully so. I still, I didn't like the Billy Donlin decision. But you know what? When you got rid of a guy that went to a title game three to four years and said, hey, we expect to win these. And then the guy that you bring in is now embarking on three straight tournament yeah. appearances, uh, or at least postseason appearances. Uh, Bob Grant kind of knows what he's doing. So I'm just going to sit back and I'll let him do what he does. And he lets me do what I do. And we've created a partnership and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. I mean, when, when we, when we initially found out that Scott Nagy was going to be the, was coming in from South Dakota skate um, that, that Bob Grant was able to get a guy of Scott Nagy's caliber. I mean, this is the guy who, this is the guy who recruited Mike Dom. So, I mean, <laughs> well, you mean, uh, you know, that was a uh, pre loud and love. I mean, he yeah. found his Don 2.0 with loud and love, man. That's true. Loud and can't shoot. So, well, oh, I man. mean, he doesn't, well, he's like, you know, he's a, he's an ex offensive lineman. And he doesn't really need to shoot. He just needs to, you know, pull his way into the you know, pain. He's fine. <laughs> hey, you know, it worked for me. He's going to sound crazy. I can't, you said earlier, you weren't surprised. I was surprised today when his name popped up. I was really? not expecting him to be player of the year. Hey, he's not, he's not any better than he was last year. He's just as good. I mean, he's better yeah. than last year, but nothing changed. He's yeah. just as good as he was last year. He was just as important as he was last year. Yeah. Um, Amari Davis, uh, not Amari Davis, I'm sorry, uh, Antoine, Antoine Davis, Davis 
He did exactly what we thought he was going to do. He was named player of the year. Why? Or preseason player of the year. Why? Because the guy was going to score a ton of points. And guess what he did? He scored a ton of points. He's third, I believe, last I checked in the country. Uh, I think I, they got it right. Loudon Love's the best player on the yeah. best team, and he's the most dominant. All I'm saying is I was still a little shocked because the Horizon League is all about the top score every year. It's all, you know, that, that you know, um, but good for Loudon Love, man. And the fact that he has a whole other year, I love that he's come out and announced that, hey, I love Loudon, or I love Coach Nagy. I love this city. I'm going nowhere. Wright State gets to get their player of the year back next year and maybe, yeah. you know, go a fourth year to the tournament. Who knows? That is, tr- that is true. And that actually is something it, I, I know in a, in a previous episode of the previous podcast episode, I know that. Um, that was kind of a question. Wright State was going to be kind of the question mark because I know among the teams that are going to be back uh, that are uh, among the teams next year, I th- I think for sure that um, beyond Wright State, now that I think now Wright State obviously is going to, you know, is still going to compete for the top spot. I do also think that Youngstown State is absolutely going to be competing for that top spot as well. When you got guys like Darius Quisenberry and Nas Bohannon coming back. Oh, um, yeah, another local be- kid. Another yeah. local kid for us, Darius Quisenberry, man. Like, uh, I, I got to say this too, and I'm I'm leaning more right state. I apologize. That's sure. Right. No, no, that's uh, fine. But I still think that you know people talk about Bill Wampler. Uh, you know, you look at Loud and Love. Mm-hmm. The little the little five five point guard um, is the most important player on that team. I still think it was disrespectful putting him on third team. His numbers aren't going to pop off at you. But I'm telling you right now, when Nagy came over and took over, he had there was more talent on the roster that he took over, um, as far as individual skills. I mean, you had yeah. Mark Allstork, you had a lot, you had Justin Mitchell, you had some really good guys that went on to play pro ball overseas, um, but they were not team guys. You know, I love Mark Allstork, a local kid. Justin Mitchell, ooh, his mm-hmm. exit out of Wright State. There's stuff people don't know about that I'm not allowed to touch on. Um, but Coach Nagy had to sift out the the bad, and they were great players, but they were not good team players. They were not good team guys. Then you get uh, Cole Gentry coming in, and all of a sudden, everything I remember, because he debuted against Toledo. He had to sit out the first half of the season. He was able to play uh, in late December. It was the final non-conference game two years ago, and uh, they beat Toledo, a very good Toledo. Toledo's always stacked. Um, yeah. But then they just went on this run. They you know, ended up going all the way to the NCAA tournament. And that, to me, was because of not loud and love. That was because of Cole Gentry. Cole Gentry is the most intelligent basketball player you will ever meet. When, sure. when he's on the floor, they're a different team. He's not imposing. He's a kid that you laugh at when you walk on the floor and say, I'm going to have to guard this kid or this kid's going to guard me. And then the game starts and it gets real. Uh, I think he's been the most underrated player throughout this entire stretch. And uh, Wright State, they're going to miss him. When they lose yeah. loud, and that's going to be tough. But replacing Cole is going to be ten times harder, if you ask me. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting thing for get that will probably be. I, yeah, I think yeah, I think the cold uh, replacing Cole Gentry is going to be uh, a difficult task to say the least. And that's going to be I, I'm going to be very interested in seeing kind of uh, what what Scott Nagy has in store for Wright State post Cole Gent. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be yeah. I'm waiting to see how that how that all plays out for them. So. Um, obviously, you know, and you know, they, he definitely, you know, kind of segues into, uh, segues into the tournament. You know, obviously, you know, Wright State did what they needed to do. They're the one seed. Northern Kentucky has, is the two seed there. Um, I, 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 I'm a little, the, that three through five log jam, I was one, it just, I'm a little surprised by kind of how that all shook out, but obviously in the, at the end of the day, it was going to be, uh, um, at the end of the day, we got we got Green Bay, who's got a single buy because of the uh, uh, the ineligibility of, of Detroit Mercy. But uh, we have the we have three games. This, uh, we have uh, Youngstown State and Milwaukee again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seems like, so kind of a repeat, of, and then Cleveland State, Oakland. And I'm not looking forward to playing Oakland again. <laughs> and then the the last game, which is going to be Young, um, which is going to be. Um, Oh crud! Who are the last two teams? The last two. I mean, the last two teams are IUPUI and UIC. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and I'm yeah. Um, lots of I, I think I'm, I think they made the joke on the Horizon Roundtable Twitter account because there are so many letters in that in that matchup that that game should be sponsored by Septimy Street. Yeah, no kidding. Now keep them, you you look at right sit on that one seed. Look, they get the double round by all the way you know to the semifinals. The problem that I'm worried about is two. They only have three conference losses on the year. Yeah. Uh, but two of those three are in this region or in this side of the bracket. 
Green Bay scares me. Green, don't be surprised if Green Bay is the last one standing when this is all said and done. Really? They have they have what it takes. Uh, but uh, Green Bay and UIC, UIC is a matchup problem for Wright State. Uh, really? So that worries me. Uh, but Green Bay, Green Bay is the team that worries me the most for Wright State. That just they give them fits. When you have big guards, that's really what gives Wright gets Wright State in trouble. And then UIC has that size. So down low, you know, if you get louder than foul trouble or whatever, when you fight Wright State with size for size, they have the size to combat it. But yeah. it usually it makes Loudon less dominant. And when Loudon's less dominant, Wright State's less dominant. But that's and, why Cleveland State and others, Wright State's been able to dominate because yeah. although you might have a tall player, you don't have a way to stop Loudon. UIC can slow him down, and Green Bay's athleticism slows down Loudon. That's yeah. what worries me about those matchups right there. And I've long, I've long said that Jordan Blunt is, uh, is, is Loudon Love's kryptonite, and you also have Braylon Bridges over there too. So yep. for UIC, so um, that's that's going to be an inter- that would be an interesting matchup. The one thing that I and I, I keep forgetting to mention this because if UIC, if I understand correctly, if UIC wins their first round game and hosts a second round game, they are actually going to have to go over to the Gentile Center because there's something going on at Credit Union One Arena that day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, if only you would have put the entire thing at the one damn arena that, uh, you know, but no, I actually, I like that the semifinals is fast forward is, is only, I like this format. Now, I hate this format. I hate that um, this format has never been friendly to the one and two seeds. Really? Um, there's at least a gap, at least between, you know, green, they're not playing four games in four days. So like the original Motor City Madness bracket that first year, that debacle when Billy Donlin just went on like a WWE promo, just unleashing on everybody. Um, furious, they, they had to play four games in four days. And look, they almost pulled it off. That was yeah. That's what was funny is he said how unfair it was that the one and two seeds only have to play two games. Everyone else has to play four. Well, the two seed, you know, Green Bay and Wright State met in the final that year. And both were, they had to play four games to get to that point or three games to get to that point. So found that funny. This one has never been friendly to the one and two seed, so we'll see what happens. But uh, Wright State, NKU, Wright State beat them by 30 the first time. NKU nearly comes away with a win the other night, but Wright State comes out on top. But uh, I don't. do you think we see one versus two in the title game? I don't. I think one, Wright State or NKU will get upset. I, I don't anticipate a third straight matchup between the two. Interesting. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I'm th- it, it just – to me, I, I, just looking at kind of the dynamic – I mean, you could probably, I, I, easy, I probably, as you mentioned, there's, there's probably the potential for an upset on the right state side a little. I see that a little more on the right state side than I would the Northern Kentucky side, um, just based on what's, what they have to look forward to on their side of the bracket. But I, I don't know. Um, here's my estimate, my, my estimate, geez. Here's my guess. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, here's my prediction, I guess. It's either in the final, it'll either be Wright State versus Youngstown State or really? it'll be Northern Kentucky versus Green Bay. That's my prediction for what I don't believe. Right. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Trust me. I would kill to see Wright State NKU part three. Uh, that's always a classic. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I just something tells me that when you have these other teams that have played two games heading into their matchup with the one or the two, they're a little bit more in the tournament rhythm. So, yeah, I just, yeah. So, like I said, I don't anticipate Wright State and NKU in the final. It's either North. I think Youngstown State knocks out Northern Kentucky to set up Wright State versus Youngstown mm-hmm. in the championship game, or it'll be Green Bay knocking out Wright State, and you'll get Northern Kentucky versus Green Bay in the title game. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, I I actually I'm trying to remember. Yeah, because I can never remember who the I can never remember who the uh, yeah. Oh wait. So um, hmm. Actually, the well, if I if I understand this correctly, because Green Bay is the three seed. Yep. Wouldn't they theoretically in the semifinals play Northern Kentucky? No, right now, based on the way the bracket's laid out right here. Huh. Uh, oh, wait, it does say highest remaining seed. Yeah. I hate this damn bracket. Okay. <laughs> well, ignore what I said. The bracket shows UIC, IUPUI, the winner would go on to face Green Bay. Yeah. And then the bracket shows Green Bay versus that game would go on to Wright State, but it says Wright State versus lowest remaining seed. So mm-hmm. you're right. So ignore me on that. So that would set up, this is stupid. I don't like the I really don't. I can't read it. And, well, damn it. Now I sound dumb on this thing. I don't know. Forget it. Wright State, NKU, book it. Right. But that's, Wright yeah. But the NCAA tournament, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, theori- I mean, theoretically, though, um, if, you're talk- if you're talking about Wright State, you still have 
the potential for an upset. You still have a potential for a UIC upset. You also have the potential for Youngstown State if they advance too. Because remember, Youngstown State dominated Youngstown uh, Wright State at Beagley. So there's a potential for that as well. So theoretically, you know, there might be the, uh, there might actually, there's there's an opportunity more for an upset on the right. Like I said, more an opportunity of, of an upset on the right State side than the North Kentucky side. But um I, I, I mean, it's possible, but I, I really do, for, from my perspective, I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking Wright State, Northern Kentucky, round three. Yeah, and you know, I got nothing. This, I'm this taking, yeah, I'm taking the wuss's way bracket. out, and I'm just going with that. It's just been such a dumb bracket, and I get that they had to change things up late. I mean, but let's be clear here: it's not like it was that likely that Detroit was going to be a part of this. To be honest, Detroit was a team that would have scared me in the tournament anyways. Anytime you have a guard like Antoine Davis, yeah. I really wanted nothing to do with him. Um, but, no, I just mean, like, I don't like guards. When you have good guard play, teams like that, that's why every year you look at, like, Milwaukee in the past, you could throw seeds out the window. Their guard play and their shooting ability has always helped. You look at Green Bay doing the same thing, uh, you know, when they've surprised teams. If you have a good, prolific guard, you're usually yeah. in good shape. Size always gets you the regular season title. Guards win you the conference tournament. That's always been my philosophy. That's why we Drew McDonald, you know, he kind of put an end to that, though, getting to the title game two of the last, you know, or getting to the tourney two of the last three years. But, like, those Alec Peters teams, when you have big post, you know, player-led teams, it just doesn't work out in the tournament for whatever reason because you need playmakers. And when you take out the bigs, whoever has the best playmakers remaining is kind of who's, you know, last man standing, basically. That's why Youngstown bothers me. Darius yeah. Quisenberry, I watched him go off for 40 against Wright State last week. Wright State could have clinched the damn thing you know, without having to wait till Friday night on ESPN to beat NKU. Yeah. They could have had the whole thing wrapped up. But when Darius Quisenberry went off for 41, everyone's like, Kenner, why are you so pissed about that? It's one game. Like, that's th- because that's the type of game that's going to knock Wright State out of the tournament. Sure. And look at the year Wright State had. If they lost to Youngstown State, let's say NKU beat them Friday night in a close one. NKU then gets the NIT bid. And then if Wright State doesn't win the conference tournament, then they're out of the NCAA. And you just had this magical 25-plus win season to get to the damn CBI, really? So, no, that's why I was so fired up uh, about the loss to Youngstown State. I just, But, you know, it is what it is. I'm excited, though. I like yeah. this tournament. It's, it's a good time. Um, and I like that it's not a guarantee. I don't like cookie cutter tournaments where the one seed gets all the way through easily unscathed. Uh, that's what, I mean, think about Oakland and KU last year. What a finish. Yeah. What I thought, I mean, I literally thought we were about to see Wright State Oakland in the title game. Uh, and then we saw NKU who just kicked Wright State's ass. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, that's a good story for Drew McDonald, man. I like seeing him go out on top. Oh, that's yeah, two, well, of like two inches. It was, yeah, it was two inches, just a matter of two inches that game. <laughs> you know, Tyler Sharp, and by the way, I told you I have to be out. We don't we don't have to keep going, but we don't have to end this either. My uh, yes. 8 o'clock is, is pushed back. Sure. Uh, Tyler Sharp is a dog, man. Like, he he's one of my favorite players in this conference. You know, yeah. last year, you know, I said, how the one guy you don't want to touch the ball gets that shot in Drew McDonald? Well, yeah. the second the guy, the guy you actually don't really want the ball is Tyler Sharp. Man. Yeah, and watch what he did against Texas Tech last year and stuff. He's just a he's just a pit bull, man. You don't want him with the ball in his hand. Right, say it's always fun to way to guard him well, but man, he scares the hell out of me with the ball. In his hand. Kyle Craven from Norris Report, who by the way is going to be at the who's going to be at Indy for us uh, doing some things. Um, yeah, he'll he'll be happy to hear you say that. <laughs> no, he really is. Uh, Absolutely. Um, you know why I like him is because yeah. I don't like him. I know that sounds really stupid. <laughs> No, he. I, well, I love I mean, guys. I guys. I like guys like him because sure. he's a guy that when he's on your team, you love him. Sure. But I promise you, a lot of players in the league can't stand him. Not mm-hmm. from a personal standpoint, but from a standpoint of, uh, you know, it's one of those where you're looking at it and it's like, man, I can't see. He's the guy that you love on your team, but you don't like him when he's not on yours because yeah. <laughs> he talks a lot and he's cocky, but yeah. he backs it up, and that's why you can't stand guys like that, man. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so yeah, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of go ahead and, uh, leave it off at that. Uh, Justin, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, people can find you on Twitter at 1410kinner. Um, and if you're, you know, ESPN Dayton, we can, you can catch it from three to six Eastern. Yeah, real quick. Last thing to plug the podcast, check out the, uh, you know, talking about Detroit. It's unfortunate they're not in the tournament, but, uh, the John Calipari interview was pretty cool as well. The fact that we got him to come on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, he did nothing. There's no me. chance in hell they'd ever come on our podcast. So. <laughs> well, it was like pulling teeth to get him to come on to ours. But you know what? It was able to you know pull enough yeah. string to get it done. Um, but Calipari was very gracious with his time. Uh, but he talked about, you know, his son, you know, transferring sure. to Detroit. His kids, you know, his kids still going to have another year of eligibility there. Uh, that is true. Yes. A, while, 
Detroit's at the Nutter Center a while back, and I go up on the concourse area, and I'm walking around, and there's just John Calipari wandering around. I'm like, what in the hell's going on? Uh, so it's pretty cool running into him. Got to go in the suite and stuff. It's pretty neat. Yes, I'm sounding like I'm bragging because I am. Don't really <laughs> that was a cool moment. Well, you but, deserve uh, to. You know, he, he was great. But a lot of great things in the Horizon League, and I think another good story is going to be told. Let me ask you this, too. I'm taking over your podcast, apparently. Uh, when's the, is this a year that the Horizon League can get a, a tournament win? No. You don't I, think Wright State can do it? I don't think so. Not this year. If you'd have told me about if you asked me about a month ago, I would say probably. But Wright State has kind of struggled in the last few games because um, the, the, right, the Youngstown State game, um, that was kind of a red flag to me. The fact that Cleveland State took them to overtime. Another big red flag for me. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. Yeah, I'm going to call I my mean, shot. They, I'm going to go Babe Ruth. I'm pointing to le- – I'm calling okay. my shot. Uh, I think that they do. Here's why. In the, in the, against the best competition this year, Wright State has played flawless. The better the team, the better they play. And that was the case in non-conference, and that was definitely the case in conference. And this isn't disrespect to, to Cleveland State or anyone else. What I mean is, is that they would get up for these huge games at home. Wright State leads the conference in attendance. And I think it's so fun to play in front of 5,000 fans that just amp you up. But then you go on the road at Cleveland, not make it taking shots, but you at Cleveland State, at Youngstown, at these schools with no fans. It's tough to get up for those when you're mentally been already crowned champion, which was bull anyways, because they yeah. still almost lost it. I just think it comes down to they play better against better competition. I'm not guaranteeing that they win. It's going to be matchup based. But I think when you have two seven-footers, you have a lockdown defensive guard in Jalen Hall, and you have three-point shooting all over the place in Cole Gentry uh, and Jalen Hall, and, and uh, obviously with Bill Wampler, I think you have all the you have all the recipe you have the recipe for an upset. That's all I'm saying. You don't sure. just have one seven-footer; you have two. I think that's why they struggled last time. They had Loud and Love, and they had no other post player. That's not the case this time. I'm just saying, depending on the matchup, I think they could potentially mm-hmm. pull it off. But they're paired up with Maryland and Lenardi's latest and UD. I would love to see him kick UD's ass because I'm sick of that. <laughs> you know, I would love to see him. But, uh, you know, it's going to be matchup-based, but I think they can sure. do it. But, yeah, absolutely. You know. So, yep. All right. But, yeah, once again, again, Justin, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast. And, man, I, I don't <laughs> – I'm going to – I'm a, I, I don't want to say I'm looking forward to the season being over, but. <laughs> no, that's what's fun, though. You get you look forward. It, it, it's bittersweet. You look forward all year to getting to that tournament, but then it's like, holy crap, you look forward to this, but then it's true. just done. Then it's yeah. just done. So. That is true. So, um, so um, yeah, so, yeah, reaching the horizon, you can definitely find um, on Horizon. Uh, you can find uh, horizonleague.com and where podcasts are available. This podcast, of course, you can find. Uh, episodes on at horizonroundtable.com and wherever podcasts are found. So uh, that's going to do it for you, uh, for us. And thank you for listening.